You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. Y'all help me say this, if you can. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And for us Christians, the main thing is a real, personal, life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, the main thing if you're a Christian, is a real, personal, life-given relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to talk about how we can grow closer to Jesus and closer to each other. So can I get a show of hands? True confessions. How many of you like, like to cook? All right. Just for the people who are watching online with us, that was... 95% of the hands in the room went up. About 400 hands just went up. Okay, so um, let's, all right, how about this? How many of you, uh, if you're not somebody who raised your hand about liking to cook, how many of you don't like to cook, but you like to watch cooking shows? Okay, so we got some more hands there. All right, so what are some of the cooking shows that you enjoy watching? Okay, that's a great show. We like to eat. What are some cooking shows? Okay. Okay. Great Baker. Top Chef, Master Chef. Okay. Anybody a fan of Master Chef? So you know the story of that, right? Master Chef, like a lot of these cooking shows, started in uh, Britain. It was a show in Britain, a reality show. And um, they spun it off here, so now, now there's an American version, and that show, MasterChef, is spun off all over the place. Lots of countries have their version of it. Um, so, here's the deal, okay? The Israeli version of MasterChef is one of that nation's highest-rating shows, highest-rated shows. In 2014, more than one-third of the country of Israel was watching the final episode of the season, See, this woman, a 33-year-old microbiologist and mother of three, win the prize. And it was history-making because Dr. Naf Atamna Ishmael, the newly crowned master chef of the Jewish state, is an Arab Israeli and is a Muslim. And she's the first uh, person to win an award, to, to win the the Israel Award like that. The first Arab-Israeli Muslim to win MasterChef in Israel. She used her prize money to establish a cooking festival in Haifa. Haifa is an Israeli port. That's her native city. And this festival pairs up Muslim-Arab-Israeli chefs with Jewish-Israeli chefs. And their mission is to take the ingredients from each of their cultures and to combine them and to create some new dish. And in the process, uh, she is building bridges 
small bridges of friendship across the chasm of centuries-old hostility in that area. Okay, so you gather around a common table, and you have people who are united by a common love for food and a common love for good conversation. And you might have seen the documentary or heard, the do- heard of the documentary film about this woman and her festival. The title of the documentary is Breaking Bread. And so that idea, that simple idea, using food and conversation around a table to dilute the mighty currents of hatred, that idea upsets some interest groups in Israel in that boiling part of the world, the Middle East. Um, Some interest groups have kind of a vested interest in keeping the uh, fires of hatred burning. And so they're not crazy about this festival. And there are a number of skeptics who look at that very cynically and say this is a very naive enterprise. Like what you're trying to do is hurl a pebble of goodwill against a mountain of prejudice and expect the whole thing to crumble down. But this is her answer to the skeptics. She said, this is the only way. Small steps. Skeptics taunt, you're going to use food to bring world peace? No. I'm going to use food to change a few people. That's it. But if you change a few people and other people would do the same, then maybe we will succeed together to do something of a huge change. Breaking bread. Sitting around a table and sharing a meal and conversation. It is a simple thing, isn't it? But it can change people. And changing people can be powerful. Last week at Mosaic, we started a three-part message series on how to build up among us in the church a fuller common life together, how to build a more uh, closely tied common people together. This is what the writers of the New Testament called koinonia in Greek. And um, when we use Christianese in the Bible Belt, we talk about fellowship. You know, the biggest ship in the world. Um, but, but last week, Carolyn gave us a description of Koinonia from N.T. Wright that she really liked and resonated with a lot of us. N.T. Wright says this idea of fellowship or Koinonia is the practice of making space in our own individual lives to develop feelings for each other. Making space in our individual lives to develop feelings for each other. Doing that is an essential part of the Christian life. And as we saw last week, when we looked at Acts chapter 2 in the first century church, that essential part of Christian koinonia involved sharing meals together. So last week, remember, we looked at this verse in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves. These are the very first Christians. This is Um, The day of Pentecost, the first people to accept the gospel message and become believing followers of Christ, this is what these people did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So what we're doing today is trying to prepare ourselves for what we're going to do next Sunday. We're going to prepare our hearts and minds for next Sunday for the time when we go to each other's tables and we want to look more deeply at what this idea of breaking bread means. 
According to the Bible dictionary, the phrase to break bread was just a common Jewish expression for sharing of a meal. Notice today in the modern church, when we use that phrase breaking bread, a lot of us associate it with the act of communion. Okay, um, But in biblical times, breaking bread simply meant eating together. So out of the, the broad array of activities of the early church might have devoted itself to, you know, breaking bread seems a little low energy, doesn't it? Um, you could devote yourselves to a lot of things. You could devote yourself to a building campaign. You could devote yourself to vacation Bible school. You could devote yourself to protesting the injustice of the Roman Empire. You know, something that's really going to make a lasting mark. Why breaking bread? And uh, here's the thing, the act of sharing a meal may have been on the surface a simple activity, but going all the way back to Old Testament times, breaking bread carried deep symbolic meaning. Remember way back in 2019 BC, two years ago, <laughs> before COVID, when we, when we studied Leviticus? Do you remember that? We learned uh, that the Hebrew people, just freshly out of slavery, wandering around in the wilderness, and God had to cleanse the slavery mentality out of the people and form a, a strong group identity of them as the chosen people. People set apart, called apart for a holy life. Do you remember? Okay, all those rules about what to eat, what's kosher, what's forbidden, the point of that was to forge in the Israelites a strong, tangible awareness of their chosenness, their set-apartness. Y'all remember that? Yeah, and so the thing about using food to achieve that uh, new consciousness, the thing about using food is that that's going to involve uh, something that everybody did multiple times a day, an elemental thing, a thing you had to do to survive. You had to eat. And so every time you're doing that, you are also aware uh, of your special relationship, okay? Your chosenness, your set-apartness. What you're doing is not just necessary for uh, survival, but it's also bound to the special relationship you have with your creator and your redeemer. Food and meals. Uh, God used these basic elements of everyday life to shape the distinctive identity of his chosen people. Breaking bread changed people. Breaking bread shaped a people. And in addition, to, in Jewish culture, it, it wasn't um, just what was eaten, it was also how, how it was eaten. The atmosphere of the meal was just as important as the food was, the atmosphere. So, uh, and that continues even today. So uh, a modern-day rabbi, Rabbi Yehel Paupku, all right, grace here with the pronunciation. This, this is what this modern-day rabbi says about sharing a meal in Jewish culture today. People sit down around a table or some other shared space. They face each other. Someone has prepared the food. Someone serves the food. Uh, and people pass food to each other. Okay, now listen what he says. What else he says here? Listen carefully. Jewish tradition recognizes a meal as a time for intimacy, fellowship, and significant conversation. Kindness 
is the basic mood of the Jewish meal. People are fed and nourished, and in this intimate setting, people talk with each other about what matters. Okay? Kindness is the basic mood. People in an intimate setting talk with each other about what matters. Today, or in Jesus' day, when Jewish people heard the expression breaking bread, those are the concepts that came to mind. An intimate meal, kindness, and meaningful conversation. Are you with me? Okay. So, uh, and so when people in the first century heard the Gospel of Luke read aloud, they heard the expression breaking bread three times. All right, so these are the first century Christians. We looked at the book of Acts last week. Acts was, that book was written by the man named Luke, and he also wrote the Gospel that has his name Luke. And he used the expression breaking bread in, uh, in Luke three times. So the first time you, hear, you see the expression in Luke, uh, breaking bread, was when Jesus performs the miracle of feeding 5,000 people. That's in Luke chapter 9. The second time Luke talks about Jesus breaking bread was on the night that he was betrayed when he uh, shared the Passover meal with his disciples, what we call the Last Supper. That's in Luke chapter 22. And the third time when Luke uses the phrase breaking bread is the, the passage we're going to look at today, the road to Emmaus. That's when the resurrected Jesus, this was on Easter, the very first Easter, the newly resurrected Jesus shared a meal with two of his uh, followers, um, shared a meal, and uh, he broke bread with them. All right, so we're going to look at that passage uh, a little bit more deeply and try to get a better idea of what this idea of breaking bread involves. So, you know what we say in Mosaic, the best way to get in touch with the Word of God is with your Bible and with, uh, with something to write on and something to write with, okay? Your Bible open, something to write on, something to write with. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 24, uh, in particular, verses 13 through 35. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Version and the passage that we're going to focus on, of course, so what we read at the, at, the, uh, at the beginning of this chapter is Jesus coming out of the tomb and appearing to Mary. So he has appeared to Mary. Mary has gone and told the disciples. The disciples have rushed to the tomb. Peter and John have, and they find the tomb empty. That's what happened just before this. And now you have these two followers of Jesus, and they are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which is a seven-mile walk. Seven-mile walk. That's going to take several hours, okay? And all of a sudden, Jesus appears, but they don't recognize him. They're kept from recognizing him. And Jesus asked, Jesus loved the questions Jesus asked. What, what's happening? Why are you so upset? And they tell him the whole thing about this great teacher, about how he was killed, uh, crucified, um, but now all of a sudden people are, uh, there's this report that he's risen from the dead. All right, and then uh, in verse 27, we hear what Jesus does. Then, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. 
And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So they've been together now for seven miles on the road. You know, that's a long time. And, uh, um, but he goes in, and he stays with them. Verse 30, when he had reclined at the table with him, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. And then they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. He was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. In this account of breaking the bread, we see Jesus do four specific actions. And it, 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 he does the same four things and when he feeds the 5,000, and he does the same four things at the Last Supper. All right? So the first thing he does is he takes the bread, and then he blesses it or gives thanks for it. Okay? And then he breaks the bread, and then he shares the bread. All right, this is what's interesting. To this day, when every Jewish home observes the Sabbath meal, those four steps are still carried out. In other words, what Jesus did on the road to Emmaus, what he was doing at the moment these followers recognized him, was nothing unusual. All right, that was perfectly ordinary. Everybody did it that way, and everybody is still doing that way doing it that way. And the words Jesus would have used to bless the bread um, had been being used by Jewish families for hundreds of years before him. It's the same words. And these are the same words that people use today. Isn't that interesting? That just that, that little phrase could be, you know, embody, unify a cultural bond for people that stretches across millennia? Okay, so in the, in the Hebrew language, the blessing, the words that are said over the bread, um, the, the Hebrew word is hamotzi, hamotzi. Uh, and, and hamotzi is the part of that phrase that literally means who brings forth. Who brings forth is what hamotzi means. So when we translate the entire blessing into English, the words are, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has brought forth bread from the earth. That's what Jesus said, and they recognized him. Barak, Barak ata Adonai Eloheinu, Melech Haolem, Hamotzi Lechem, Min Haaretz. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has brought forth bread from the earth. This tradition is so ingrained in Jewish culture that to say a person broke bread. It, it means, it means, it can mean broke bread. It can mean, I mean, it, it means all of this at once. It means he broke bread. It means he said hamotzi. And it means he shared a meal. That's what breaking bread means, all three of those things. All right, so 
There you go. That's some interesting information. Let's see if we can grab hold of some lessons that'll help us next week when we come around a common table together and when we break bread. All right, so the first lesson that we learn from Jesus breaking bread is this. Focus on God first. All right, lesson one, focus on God first, on being thankful to him for what he has given us. So that's how we start. That's the way everybody started. That's the way Jesus started. Focus on God first. Lesson two, at the common table, focus on what's in front of you. God's gift of food, what he's given you, but more importantly, the people who are in front of you because they are also God's gift to you. So you focus on food, but more importantly, focus on friends and focus on family. Focus on God first, and then focus on friends and family and food. Those are the gifts that God puts you in, puts in front of you. All right, can we try a little experiment here? All right, um, so I want us to do kind of a sensory imagination exercise. And um, what I want to ask us to do is kind of imagine what our senses would experience at our f perfect Thanksgiving. So you're going to imagine the perfect Thanksgiving. What, what's coming to all of your senses. You can close your eyes if you want to, but let's just, let's just try that, okay? All right, the perfect Thanksgiving. Imagine everything that experience will bring to your senses. Perfect Thanksgiving. Sights, sounds, smells, what you're tasting, who you're touching. All right. So how many of you are ready for Thanksgiving now after that? Okay. For the people watching online, every hand is up. 547 hands. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's, a, that's the power of a meal. That's a special meal. But any meal, cooking and eating, Cooking and eating at its best is an elemental sensory experience, isn't it? I mean, it's tactile. You get your fingers in it. You smell the spices. There's heat. It's messy. There's so many colors. You know, the green peppers, the yellow squash, the deep red of the cranberry, the earth color of the potatoes. You know, it's all there. It's a feast for the senses, not just taste, but all of our senses. But it's more than just uh, an experience for our senses. It touches every part of our humanness, every part. It touches our minds, it touches our hearts, and it touches our souls. There's challenge in cooking, right? There's chaos, there's creativity. There's drama. Is it going to turn out all right? Okay, and the satisfaction, uh, uh, the feeling of accomplishment when it all comes together. You know what I'm talking about? All right, it's elemental. When it comes out of the oven and it's perfect, the thrill of victory. <laughs> Georgia Bulldogs, Atlanta Braves, squash casserole. Yeah, the thrill of victory. 
Or it comes out of the oven and it's a charred smoking ruin. Fried gator tail. Okay. Astro's fricassee. All right. The agony of defeat. The thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. Wild World of Sports has nothing on cooking. All right. It's, it's not just about the food, though. It's also about the table. It's about the table. There's giving and receiving. There's sharing and serving. There are questions that we ask each other. There's kidding around. And being at the table, especially in our increasingly hectic, screen-addicted world, provides us the precious opportunity to connect with other people in time-honored and natural ways. Time-honored and natural ways. For many of us, during our waking hours, our daily lives are playing out at breakneck speed. But at the table, we're stationary. We're still, still, more or less. Okay, there's probably more squirming at the kids' table. Um, but for the grown-ups, we're still. Uh, for many of us, during most of our waking hours, our media diets are filled. <sighs> rancor, filled with rancor and animosity and outrage and spin and winners and losers and idols and enemies and conspiracies and drama. But at the table, at its best, we're all unified by a common purpose. Let's eat. Okay, around the table, we're also on the same level. Okay? For many of us, during most of our waking hours, sitting also involves staring at some kind of screen. Sit down and just, you know, the bored slavery of the scroll, right? Scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Or if we're sitting down, the, we're sitting down in one of those huge overstuffed, recliners, you know, you're kind of swallowed up by that, and it's this ginormous flat screen TV with the Dolby sound, and everything is coming at you, right? Just think about the way Sports Center comes on, or even the news, you know, it's fee, 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 whoosh, 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 whoosh. it's all spinning, spinny, spinny, glitter, 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 shiny, you know, zoom, spread out across the page, Sports Center. Okay, action news. This is all there. Too, way too much caffeine. Way too much caffeine on Sports Center. All right? Okay? It's spelled foosh, okay? It's F W O O S H. Exclamation point. Foosh. Okay? All right, so that's, we're sitting down and that's what's happening, but at the table, at the table, at its best, we sit and we look at and smile at and talk with and maybe laugh with other living human beings. Just like the rest of our species has been doing for thousands of years. At the table, at its best. There's nothing synthetic or artificial. There's nothing fake at its best. It's organic. It's organic togetherness. And for that hour or so at the table, we are experiencing community. We are sharing a common life. We are a common people for that hour or so. What a blessing. We, 
when we look at the data that's collected by social scientists, we could build a pretty good case that God has wired us for breaking bread. He's made us for breaking bread. Um, listen to what this writer says. This is Pincus Taylor, um, who is a, a, a writer who writes for the fabulous Jewish cultural website called Shabbat.org. And he wrote, he wrote uh, about breaking bread. This is what he said. Um, the National Center, these are the, these are the benefits of sharing a common meal, okay? The National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse has time and again shown a strong correlation between children eating dinner with family and overall well-being. The studies from varying years show that the more family meals that children attend per week, the less likely they are to smoke, drink, and use illegal drugs, they are also significantly more likely to be emotionally well-adjusted and to do well both academically and socially. 1997 study from DePaul University confirmed that meals, more than any other factor, served as a marker across ages and gender lines for perpetuating emotional health. Emory University in Atlanta a study found that those who regularly participate in family meals that centered on religious or cultural celebrations had a closer relationship to family members, had higher self-esteem, and a greater sense of control over their own lives. Do you think God knew what he was doing back in Leviticus when he used food to shape his people? And do you think those first century Christians knew what they were doing when they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread? Yeah. All right. Focus on God first. Second lesson, focus on what's in front of you and who's on front of you. Those are God's gifts. Third lesson is, at the common table, keep your eyes open for Jesus. At the common table, Keep your eyes open for Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 18, For wherever two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in your midst. Okay. We're not alone. You're not alone. You are not alone. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Yesterday, we had a great uh, prayer training session here. About 25 of us here at Mosaic learned a, a healing prayer um, methodology called Restoring the Foundations. And we learned that one of the huge uh, weapons that the enemy uses to make our lives miserable, uh, to try to wreck our lives completely over our entire lifetimes, is this idea of being abandoned or being, uh, you know, being rejected. Um, the scriptural word is an orphan spirit, an orphan spirit. So if you have those feelings of rejection, if you, if you have feelings of loneliness, if you have feelings of being abandoned, um, you know, you were broken up with, a parent left you when you were young, uh, divorce separated, broke your family up when you were young, all those deep wounds, the devil can use those throughout the rest of your life to give you this idea that you're an orphan. And Jesus wants us to know, this is what he said the night before he was crucified, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will not leave you as an orphan. I'll send the Holy Spirit to be your comforter, 
But, but Jesus is real at the table in that uh, he is present as the body because the incarnated body of Christ today is the church. The body of Christ today is the church. When we are sitting at the table, we are sitting with the body of Christ at the common table. And we know that. You know, Paul said it again and again and again. Again and again and again, Paul says the church is the body of Christ. And he didn't mean that figuratively. That's, that's concrete. It's not, it's not concrete like you can touch it, but it is a spiritual truth. Just as true as Jesus walked on earth in an embodied form, okay, he, he is uh, the body of Christ is the church. Paul says it again and again and again. Um, you are Christ's body, he says in 1 Corinthians 12. You are Christ's body, and individually you are members of it. Why did Paul know? Why did Paul know that that, that was true? In Acts chapter 9, before Paul became Paul, he was Saul, and he was persecuting the church. He was going after the church in a murderous way. Um, and now this was years after Jesus had died and been resurrected. Um, so you have all these new Christians who are breaking out all over the Middle East. And Paul is going after them, hunting them down, taking them to the um, authorities so that they can be put in prison or killed. That's what Paul is doing. And all of a sudden on the road to Damascus, Jesus appears and he says to Paul, 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 or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting what do you say? Me. Why are you persecuting me? The church is his body. He has not left us as an orphan. And when we sit and eat a meal, we can take the food that's on the plate and put it into our bodies. But the common table is more than just nourishing our bodies. It's also nourishing our souls. And that togetherness it's meant to nourish our souls. It's meant to, this is spiritual food telling us, you are not alone. I have not left you an orphan. We are together and I am here with you in your midst. It's easy to pick up the food and put it in our mouths. So often when we're at the table, we don't put that spiritual food in our mouth. It's right there for us, and we don't put it in our mouths. We keep believing we're an orphan. So our prayer is, our prayer is just like at the walk to Emmaus, the road to Emmaus, when they sat down and they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. When we sit down next Sunday at the table, we will recognize him in the lives of our brothers and sisters in the church who are right across from us, and that we will take that spiritual nourishment too. That's what our prayer is. And that is the main thing. Let's pray. Stand up if you would. Lord our God, King of the universe, blessed are you who brings forth bread from the earth. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, who has given us 
family who has given us friends, who has given us your body in the form of the church. Blessed are you. Lord, we pray that just like you did at Emmaus when you revealed yourself in the breaking of the bread, we pray, Lord, that you will open our eyes and open our spiritual mouths so that we can take the food that you give before us, Lord, when we break the bread. Reveal yourself to us. Help us to recognize you, Lord. And I pray for anybody here who has that spirit of abandonment, that spirit of rejection, that spirit of loneliness, anybody who is hearing the, 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 the lie, you are alone. I pray, Lord, that you would open their ears, open their heart to receive the truth. You are not alone. I have not left you an orphan. I am with you. I am with you. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us to be the body of Christ for those around us. Help us to see you, Lord. Help us to grow closer to you and closer to each other and build your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, We'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.